listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. This is from one of those magazine columns where people write in for advice, like on etiquette or behavior or whatever. Here's, here's the question. A couple recently moved to our town and invited us to dinner. They cooked a delicious meal, and we brought wine and bread. Afterward, they casually said they would Venmo us for the groceries they'd bought. We felt this was unfair, as it was not discussed beforehand. How do we handle this awkward situation? Wow! So you got done with the meal, and, they, and they're basically saying, so that steak was, that cost us $25, and uh, the corn was about a buck fifty. so you owe us $27.30. Has How that ever inviting them for dinner? Has that ever happened, ever? What? Yeah, the whoever this columnist has responded was, did this couple move to your town from a different planet? <laughs> Wow. That is wild. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you, you invite somebody to dinner at the end of the meal. You, talk, you owe me 57 bucks for the food I just... Well, I wouldn't have had another roll. I, I wouldn't have had that piece of pie for, without asking you how much... You kind of insisted I had a slice of pie. I wasn't even hungry. I was trying to be polite. What do you mean it wasn't free refills? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Shouldn't you tell me that? Uh, it's Coming up, Sweden's crown jewels have been stolen. Stay oh. with us. So this is absolutely hilarious. You social justice warriors, twisting yourselves into knots, inserting your heads in your own hineys as far as possible, Woo! and then apologizing for it. Out it comes. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. This is from our friends at uh, uh, Reason. Uh, the Nation, the far-left uh, magazine, The Nation. The nation's poetry editors have added a lengthy apology, which I'll click on in a moment or two. To the a sh- poetry editors? Yes, have added a lengthy apology to a short poem published in its pages a week ago. The poem, quote, contains disparaging and ableist language that has given offense and caused harm to members of several communities, for which they are very, very sorry indeed. Indeed, the apology is longer than the poem itself. The poem's author, Anders Carlson Wee, has apologized as well. Quote, I am listening closely, and I am reflecting deeply. The fact that I did not foresee this reading and the harm it could cause is humbling and eye-opening. The first reply to that post is a user complaining that the term eye-opening is ableist as well and really discriminatory against blind people. Oh, my God! Oh, my God! And then Reason makes the point, and it's a good one. Of course, I'm shoving religion down your throat by yelling, oh, my God. This user does not appear to be a parody account, but the fact that it's quite difficult to tell is sort of the point. Um, So... The guy who writes this article says this. Eye opening is ableist. That's correct. That's correct. Wow. I wouldn't call it my favorite poem ever, but it's clearly not trying to communicate anything nefarious. It, uh, I call it reading out, or I read it as calling out the hypocrisy of people who claim to care about the poor, the homeless, the disabled, then don't do anything meaningful to help them. One of the lines is, it's about who they believe they is. You hardly even there. And then he was criticized for seemingly appropriating the voice of a homeless person, possibly a person of color, even though he's a white person. And again, he's had to apologize for his apology because he used the term eye-opening. Instead of saying, well, I guess my poetry is not for you, or ah, shut up, or go F yourself, all three of those perfectly reasonable responses, I think, he went ahead and apologized, and and seems to be actually bothered that he was blind to this. Sorry, blind is probably a term you're not supposed to use. Oh my God! 
Oh, my God. You implied the sightless are somehow lacking in insight? You are so ableist. Here's a bit of the poem for you. If you got... if That's right. If you got HIV, say AIDS. If you a girl, say you're pregnant. Nobody going to lower themselves to listen for the kick. People passing fast. Splay your legs. Cock a knee funny. It's the littlest shames they're likely to comprehend. Don't say homeless. They know you is. What they don't know is what opens a wallet, what stops them from counting what they drop. If you're young, say younger. Old, say older. If you're crippled, don't flaunt it. Let them think they're good enough Christians to notice. Don't say you pray, say you sin. It's about who they believe they is. You hardly even there. I get it. That's good. That's scathing. But he's had to apologize, and the editors have at length. As poetry editors, we hold ourselves responsible for the ways in which the work we select is received. Um, you do? I'd like to stop you right there. (laughs) Uh, We make this statement about the poem below, which contains disparaging and ableist language that has given offense and caused harm to members of several communities. We made a serious mistake by choosing to publish the poem, How To. We are sorry for the pain we have caused to the many communities affected by this poem. I I think maybe I'd edit that as a a former editor myself to say, I'd like to apologize for the fake pain we've caused so many communities who spend their entire day anxious to pretend they're the victim of something. I just did a status check of those communities. They're fine. (laughs) (laughs) They they are are exactly as they were before this was published. (laughs) Well, that's probably accurate. If I, if I might continue, because you're implying that they're okay because they're the way they were, and that's ableist. We recognize that we must now earn your trust back. Some of our readers have asked, what were we thinking? When we read the poem, we took it as a profane, over-the-top attack on the ways in which members of many groups are asked or required to perform the work of mar- marginalization. We can no longer read the poem in that way. We are currently revising our process for solicited and unsolicited submissions. But more importantly, we are listening and we are working. We are grateful for the insightful critiques we have heard. But we know that the onus of change is on us, and we take that responsibility seriously. Well, that is something. There there are some people out there who are really into the territory of uh, me- mentally ill. Right. Self-parody. They've made themselves crazy. Yeah, Exactly. And again, the greatest writing on this, uh, Greg Lukianoff and Jonathan Hyde, I suppose we could post that again. It's a big article that they had in the Atlantic where they talk about so many things that especially college kids are being encouraged to do right now are, are mental illnesses. The smallest thing happens to you. You catastrophize it. You act like it's the worst thing ever. Like you found a poem, a, 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 a 12 line poem, mildly offensive. So you act as if it's devastated you. That's, that's a mental illness. People who do that, that's dangerous. Well, and it will ruin your life. You'll actually ruin your life. You'll right. be miserable your entire life. Right. There's no healing from it. There's no coming back from it. It's called catastrophizing. Well, because that's you're one run, of like six examples. Because you're going to run into stuff all day, every day. Oh, yeah. The rest of your life. You're just going to always be miserable. Right. Acting like everyone who says something that bothers you did so intentionally to hurt you, and they are guilty of that offense, that's paranoia. Well, the that's weird... Misunderstood. That is acting as if we all don't have imperfections and make mistakes. And that would be just a bad aren't idea. aware of everybody else's reality. That'd be a bad way to live. Most people I know who've got whatever challenge it is don't live that way. I mean, I've, I've known a few blind people. I've known a few people with various situations. They, I don't, I've never known a blind person who spends all day long being hurt over someone saying, as you can see, 
he said, can see, as if everyone can see. I don't know anybody who's blind who, who actually acts that way. Oh, no, absolutely but not. what's weird here is it's people getting that hurt on behalf of other people who they think could get hurt. Oh, yeah. They're fine. That's what they often spend all case, day doing. Often, in case you're a white, affluent, <laughs> you know, everything's fine for you. Right. You're just enabled. You're hurt on behalf of all the other people, which is very strange. Right, right. Well, ironic you should say that, since they have uh, also decided that everyone's opinion should be passed through the filter of your color and your ethnicity, which is the most racist notion that exists on Earth. But they've done that in in the the, uh, guise of justice, which, again, is such an amazing act of cranial rectal insertion that uh, Cirque du Soleil performers are amazed at, at how far up there you're able to get. I congratulate you. I worked with a blind disc jockey once. Have I ever talked about that? I th- believe you have, yes. I worked at a radio station, and uh, he was the guy. He did the afternoon shift. This We played music. We were actual disc jockeys. And this was back in the old days with records, so we were actually yeah. jockeying discs. That's correct. Um, he was blind, and we put everything on uh, Braille. The uh, I, I typed out all the labels when they hired him. So for every record, I'd type out the name of the song, the name of the artist, and how many seconds you had to talk and put all the Braille things on there and everything and all the commercials. And we put everything in a line in the studio so he could feel from one thing to another thing to another thing. But anyway, um, after doing that, it was simple. He and he pretended he didn't he didn't point out that he was blind. I guess mm-hmm. he was pretending he was sighted, but he'd talk about, well, it's a beautiful day today if it was sunny and 70 degrees. Well, I wonder if he feels get, beautiful on his skin. I wonder, sure. wonder if he'd have gotten ripped apart in the modern era for, for pretending he was sighted or something. If it, that would have been seen as not cool. Well, yeah. To not uh, well, regularly. Not him, probably because he's a victim, um, which no blind person wants to be seen as, quote unquote. Um, he was really good, too. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, you know, I had a, uh, uh, my next door neighbor was blind for, I guess we lived in the place about a year, um, at one point in Kansas, an absolutely lovely woman, in, incredibly sweet and helpful, but, um, she would regularly ask, um, if we'd seen the latest, uh, you know, episode of whatever show or, or whatever, um, cause she would quote unquote watch TV. She'd listen to it and it was funny and the rest of it. And so I, it took me like once or twice till I realized, well, that's the common parlance. And so sure. that's the way she asks it. And it's fine. She's a nice person. But if somebody overheard me in the modern era asking if she'd seen something, I'm sure the nation would print like a 20 page special edition <laughs> decrying what a ableist monster Joe Getty, <laughs> right. Armstrong and Getty right. shows. It's just you people are hilarious it, 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 or you would be hilarious if you weren't so dangerous. You are whipping people into this incredible ill mental health well and you spend time on things that aren't really problems so you can't obviously spend that time on real problems which there are plenty of right right yeah it's so strange though i mean it's just you can't make you literally can't make this stuff up i mean i wouldn't have been able to create that craziness that Mm. is so strange oh no no i think it's too out there people will never buy this you know if i was writing a screenplay or something i think nah i would never get this you can't say it was an eye-opening experience Wow. Right. Right. Wow. Immediately criticized. You you keep moving the line on how far you're willing to take this, you crazy people. Well, you got to keep uh, progressing. Armstrong and Getty. My thing lately. Here is my thing. You going to yell at the staff again? No. <laughs> not unless you continue to interject. Um, you have two things, then. We, we need... <laughs> this is my other thing. For God's sake, with all due respect to the Middle East which is a hellhole, 
and the cause of much of the angst and pain around the world and the terrorism and the death and the rest of it. Ladies and gentlemen, people of the United States of America, I'm begging you, the media of the United States of America, we need to start paying attention to our hemisphere, the Western Hemisphere. Central and South America are crumbling. Democracies are crumbling. Even the dictatorships are crumbling. And there could be, you know, what do you care? Massive repercussions in terms of immigration. Economic. Great, interesting piece in the WAPO. Their long-form journalism. Oh, my God, there's going to be a temptation here, and I don't think I can resist it. It's an article about piracy. There be pirates in them waters. You can't resist using a pirate voice. No, I can't. Even though nobody knows uh, where that accent came from, there's no, no. indication there actually were. Tis thought it was from the movie, Long John Silver. There's no, what's, what's the story, actually? There's no belief that there were criminals on boats upon the sea at any point in human history where they sounded like that, yet that is the voice that people generally do for a pirate. And even if it did happen in the 1500s... That's one lily-livered landlubber's opinion. That's not what pirates sound like now. No. Um, What was the movie? Uh, Treasure Island. It was thought that the guy who portrayed Long John Silver kind of originated that pirate. Really? So Talk Like a Pirate Day is all that one guy? Yeah, pretty much. That's my understanding of it. Uh, At any rate, uh, the the pirates of new are not nearly as charming as the Disneyfied cliches of Johnny Depp. Etc. Or cartoon pirates are always, you know, they're a little evil, but they're easily overcome. Right, exactly. Um, centuries after Blackbeard's cannons fell silent, etc., etc., the region is confronting a new and less romanticized era of pirates. Political and economic crises are exploding from Venezuela to Nicaragua to Haiti, sparking anarchy and criminality. As the rule of law breaks down, certain spots in the Caribbean, experts say, are becoming more dangerous than they've been in many, many years. Uh, particularly in the waters off of collapsing Venezuela. Uh, the acts of villainy appear to be happening with the complicity or direct involvement of corrupt officials, said Jeremy McDermott, co-director of Insight Crime, a nonprofit. It's criminal chaos, a free-for-all, all along the Venezuela coast. Uh, comprehensive data on piracy is largely lacking, but a two-year study by a nonprofit recorded 71 major incidents last year, including robberies of merchant vessels and attacks on yachts. These are major yeah. incidents where blood was shed and 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 lots of stuff was stolen. Stealing that, their booty. Exactly. It's up 163% from the previous year, the vast majority in Caribbean waters, or do you say Caribbean? Are indeed. In April, for instance, masked men boarded four Guianese fishing boats 30 miles off the coast of Guiana, the crews were doused with hot oil, hacked with machetes, and thrown overboard. Of 25 survived. Well, that's pretty rough. Uh, it was a massacre. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. There have been reports of piracy over the last 18 months near Honduras, Nicaragua, Haiti, and St. Lucia. But nowhere has the search been more notable, analysts say, than off the coasts of socialist Venezuela. And who's the richest woman in Venezuela? Hugo Chavez's daughter. Hello. Anyway, Owen, too. As the economic crisis in the South American country has sent inflation soaring toward 1 million percent, making food and medicine scarce, malnutrition is spreading, disease is rampant, water and power grids are failing from lack of trained staff and spare parts, police and military are ab- abandoning their posts as their paychecks become nearly worthless, 
And under the socialist yeah. government of Nicolas Maduro, repression and corruption have increased. Oh, yeah, the full breakdown of a society would be so ugly to live through. Right. Oh, my it's, God. It's the desperation that That's... drives normally respectable people to do terrible, terrible things. Well, in fact, in Trinidad and Tobago, which is right across the water, they're talking about Venezuelan Coast Guard officers and, and uh, government officials boarding yachts and demanding money and food because they're starving. It's unlikely to ever happen in the United States, but that's one of the reasons I'm a gun owner, if that ever goes that direction. Because you got no chance if you don't have a weapon, if society falls apart that much. They're talking about Venezuelan officials showing up in Trinidad um, with uh, drugs and exotic animals and, and all sorts of stuff you smuggle and saying, I'll swap you for some food. Oof, I that's, got a giraffe. that's socialism, folks. Not giraffes. Nobody can smuggle a giraffe. Maybe I could. (laughs) You say you could. So uh, it reminds me, said a a lawmaker um, in uh, Africa, of the problems that started off the coast of eastern Africa, referring to the uh, Somali pirates years ago. Piracy smuggling. It's the result of Venezuela's political and economic collapse. I'm telling you, there's plenty to pay attention to in this here hemisphere. It's only anyway. Oh, and two. Right. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty show. Armstrong and Getty. What is the problem? I've never seen anything like this. It's when you guys are supposed to cheer. Please quiet. Are you serious? Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Fifty-seven-year-old Eddie Murphy. Fifty-seven-year-old Eddie Murphy is about to become a dad for the tenth time. Tenth time. Now, even uh, more impressive, it turns out that all ten of his kids are being played by Eddie Murphy. Isn't that incredible? It's all right. Not the best joke, but uh, I just thought it was an interesting story. Wow, deciding to have your tenth kid. That's a, that's an interesting choice, and you're almost sixty, so yeah. you'll be. No, damn near 80 when they uh, get out of high school. Listen, I don't know the Murphys, and I wish them nothing but happiness, but whenever I hear this story, and the applause of the idiot audience... Yeah, why um, would you applaud that? I, I, don't, mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm reminded I'm that boo it, I guess. sometimes a wealthy older man will marry a younger whim- woman. In this case, a model. Or, or be, wh- Really? A young, a hot model. I know you would have never guessed. Really? You would have never guessed that that would be the How case. How lovely for the two of them. And she might want a kid, and, uh, you know, and she might not have to worry about money for the kid for the rest of her days. So he might think, another baby? Seriously? But he thinks, yeah, that's what it costs me. Uh, speaking of babies, I just called my uh, oldest uh, baby, who's now eight, headed to third grade for day one of school and wished him good luck as he sets off. I'm starting to get into the years where I'm not exactly sure what you learn. I don't remember what you learn in third, uh, third grade. grade. It's a leap forward year. Oh, my God. You take on the heavy stuff. <laughs> the big stuff. You wrestle it down. I actually had I had a very bad third grade. You did? Yeah, my uh, teacher and I did not get along at all. And uh, it, uh, I almost went the wrong way. Really? Yeah. Here's an interesting thing. Well, he I kind brought, of did go the wrong way. 
He yeah. doesn't know any... Well, look where he ended up. Yep. Uh, he doesn't know anything about this particular teacher. And in, in the past, he'd had a lot of info. Did he look the, at her Yelp reviews? Had done a lot of reconnaissance on the yes. teacher ahead of time. Yeah. And, and Intelligence news. gathering. And so he was talking about, I hope she's uh, not mean. I hope she's nice. Which And I said, you know, my experience all through grade school, I always liked... My favorite teachers were the teachers that everybody warned you about because they were so mean. Agreed. Every mm-hmm. single time. And I said, you know why? Because I was a good kid and I followed the rules. And they made everybody else follow the rules. So I liked it better. You'd have they, made a good Nazi. The, the nice teachers who let the idiots freaking disrupt class while yeah. we're trying to I hated that. Or, you know, the teachers have control of the classroom and expect you to learn, have yeah. high expectations, yeah. are get the rep for being quote-unquote mean. I had no problem with that. Right. I loved that as a kid. And I said, yeah. so you never know. You might be better off given your personality. Yeah. And he did find out one kid that was in his class. <laughs> Just oh. found that out last night. And he took off his hat and threw it on the ground. Oh, no. <laughs> Not Jimmy McGillicuddy. <laughs> I remember learning remainders in third grade. The division, oh, like, with the remainders. Carryovers. And I was very upset the following year when they said, hey, remember remainders? Well, forget all that. Here's decimals. <laughs> it's like, well, what was remainders all that Remainders are for punks. <laughs> anyway, so that was uh, charming. Uh, I was wishing him good luck. Absolutely. And his, and his brother's starting at home with his... Uh, is he's got a mean teacher, Mrs. Armstrong, because we're doing homeschooling. And Yarg. She doesn't put up with any crap, although you get better treats. Lunch is better. <laughs> yeah, I don't doubt that. Um, <laughs> don't get me started on my elementary school hot lunches. We got a text. Uh, let them cool or something. I can't eat them like they are. <laughs> we got a couple of texts who people who are big fans of Amber, who we just had on talking about the Florida governor race. She oh, was yeah. good. Sharp gal. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, really and, in the know. Yeah, actually had an idea that she had some idea what she was talking about, which is cool. So this is in the news today. Most women feel bullied by other women in the workplace, according to a, um, a study that's out. Particularly by something called Queen Bees. Queen Bees. We got a couple. Or of- is it Queen's Bee? <laughs> I think, I think it's Queen Bees. Okay. <laughs> We got a couple of texts on that. Um, this is why I pre- from women. This is why I preferred working with men any day, uh, except gay men. This person says they're as bad as queen bee types. Give me a straight male coworker any t- any day. I have heard that from many women. Are we far enough down the road of gay rights that you now can say? There are attributes to being gay that aren't positive, or are we not? Well, it depends on the guy. It depends on the guy, of course, yeah. But, okay, are we far enough down the road of gay rights that you can generalize the way you do about anything else? This person generalizing that I'd, I'd prefer to work with men than women. Oh, 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 right, right. And not bitchy, effeminate gay guys. I don't know who, but anyway, this is what this person said. I have no experience with either. Begs. Uh, women v. Women in the workplace has a higher rate of discrimination than anything else, based on my experience, says this woman in the workplace. Hmm. And the studies are out. Do we have time? Yeah, we'll get into it. A new report finds that two-thirds of women say they feel, feel bullied by fellow females at the office. Two-thirds. Hmm. 70% said that the bullying came from female professionals trying to block their workplace ambitions. Interesting. Hmm. 70% say the bullying came from female professionals trying to block their workplace ambitions. It's a high number. You know, I'm scanning my memory banks for conversations I've had with Judy over the years, and I think, yeah, her gripes have, have been mostly about the women she's worked with. Really? Yeah. This is an example of Queen Bee Syndrome, in which women use their social intelligence to manipulate relationships or damage colleagues' reputations. Hmm. In a way that you yeah, don't see with guys much. 
Well, one of our radio uh, mentors, who was uh, half helpful and half nuts, uh, once said to us, he said, take notice of this. Ask men about how's work, how do you like your job, and they'll tell you about what they do and literally how it's going, how they're going achieving their goals. Ask women, how do you like your job? And they'll tell you about the relationships they have with the people in the office. They'll tell you about how they like their coworkers, and which is, is fine. It takes both to go make the world go round. And that's quite true. <clears throat> if you ask me how work is, I'm not going to say, oh, I work with this guy, Jim, and he's just fantastic and we have so much fun together. Whereas no. it's, you know, not an uncommon thing for a woman to say that. Well, and, and, you know, we've, not bad. Just, we've worked with a handful of unforgivable pricks who were just but really effective. Um, and you just roll your eyes and go about your business, and it's different for women. So, yeah, I, I, yeah. Does that uh, sound uh, right, or are we being sexist? Our text line, 415-295-KFTC, and by we, I mean Joe. Um, Queen Bee Mischief manifests its way in ways that can have lasting negative effects on individual careers and entire organizations, writes this consultant who did this study, surveying 100 female executives. Queen Bees are women who treat colleagues in a demoralizing, undermining, and bullying manner. They are adult versions of the mean girls from school. Mm. Let me think about that. Let me interject uh, just briefly to the permanently angry, rigid knee-jerkers among you. Yes, of course there are advantages women bring to any organization. Anybody but a moron would understand that. So there, I've saved you writing your email. Queen bees often prevent other talented up-and-coming women from advancing in the workplace. So if you have a, if, if a, if a female ends up the big boss, does that mean you're, based on this, that you're, you're less likely to have women moving up through the ranks? There's more of a glass ceiling than with dudes at the top? That seems to be what this, uh, scientist is positing. Because they'd feel competition? I don't think guys tend to feel that way. I'm not going to advance that guy, a guy because uh, he'll end up taking my job someday. Maybe. I don't know. I don't Yeah, I don't. I, I would like to hear from the women. Needless to say, 415-295-KFTC, 415-295-KFTC. Or if you're not into the texting thing, you can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. I'll read one more thing from this consultant, and we'll take a break, and if there's any texts about this, we'll get to them. But this uh, consultant suggests management needs to develop a more complex and realistic image of women, which recognizes their aggressive tendencies and forms of victimization on females and the way they're likely to do that. Huh. Yeah, you know, it's, it's one of the most annoying things to me about the modern world, and I, I referenced it a moment ago, is the idea that, well, I'll tell you what, my fault. An idea formed in my head. Ladies, are you more concerned about sexually harassing men or these queen bee women? But that's an idiotic way to look at life. Why did I form that thought? Stupid, stupid, stupid. You'd think adults would think, all right, on the one hand, you got this hazard, this risk, this pain in the ass. And on the other hand, you got this hazard, this risk, the pain in the ass. You don't pick one or the other. They both exist every single day. Why would you pick one? Well, you don't need to be sexually harassed ever, but the the choosing who rises up through the ranks, that's just part of company life. Or or sexism. I'm just talking about, you know, hazards from men. Well, we got the one text from somebody who said, I see more discrimination of women on women than men on women. That's their experience. Mm -hmm. So maybe the question would be... um, if the person who decides whether or not you rise up through the ranks, do you feel like you got a better shot with a woman making that decision or a man making that decision? Hmm. I don't know what that would be if you're a woman. 
This would suggest maybe just for Queen Bee types. I don't know. I don't Interesting. Know. I, I can't be the only person thinking, you know, if I can get somebody who's competent and productive, I don't care if they're man, woman, or space right. alien. Well, and does attractiveness play a role with the whole Queen Bee thing? I've certainly worked in places where... There was a, there was the hot woman, and a new hot woman came along, and that was a battle. Yeah, oh, that ended up being a problem. Meow. Yeah, they don't like that, do you? <laughs> Stay tuned, baby. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. The best masks I've seen, and they say Armstrong and Getty on them. You can get one at ArmstrongandGetty.com. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Well, I'll tell you what we haven't got. I'll tell you what we haven't gotten. Um, A single text saying this whole Queen Bay thing is not true. No, no. Not a single one. With the study out saying that... uh, Women get discriminated by and bullied by women in the workplace a lot. 70% of women say that bullying came from female professionals trying to block their workplace ambitions, an example of Queen Bee Syndrome, and lots of people texting about how they would prefer to not have to deal with that. Uh, A couple of good examples. I worked for an unnamed department with the state, which was populated by mostly women. There was so much passive-aggressive girl-on-girl crime, I was shocked. This is from a woman. I've never had a bad evaluation in my life, but my evaluations were so vicious they actually made me cry. Not nice one not one nice thing was said about me. Needless to say I didn't last there. Women go give other uh I'm not going to use that term, a bad name. I rather work with all men than women any day. Says this woman. I wonder whether the nature of a state, a government job made that extra pungent and and toxic because achievement just isn't a thing. In most government jobs. So all you have for status is the the social thing, the queen bee thing. I'm a nurse, and the queen bee crap is horrible in my profession. Wow. Um, wow. What, what, would you, what would you do about it as a company? How do you try to avoid that sort of problem? <sighs> or is there anything you can do about well, it? I, you know, Clearly, I, we have to eliminate women from the workplace. I can envision... I can envision ways to deal with it, but run through the corporate training, uh, you know, psyche. They'd end up being stupid <laughs> and unsuccessful. But to make people more aware of them, kind of bring it out into the open, I think that might be healthy. But again, keep those uh, emails and texts coming. 415-295-KFTC for the text. 415-295-KFTC. I agree. As or a woman. mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. I agree. As a woman, women suck to work with. Generally speaking, says this woman, I worked for the same woman for three years. She's been gone and replaced by a man seven months ago, and I finally got the promotion I've been asking for and have deserved since year two at this job. Also agreed gay men are as bad as women in the Queen Bee Syndrome. I I know nothing about that. Then she says, I'm also considered the young hot woman of the office, even though I'm married and 30 years old. Send pictures. What? Well, it's impossible to verify her claim without evidence. You know me, Mr. Thorough, they call me. I was going to criticize her for, why did you mention that? (laughs) What what is that? Then you had to make your sexist comment. It's not sexist. Between the two of you, I'm just disgusted. No, it's it's, it's, it's rigor. I'm applying rigor to the investigation. Oh, yeah, this Queen Bee thing is true, and even in the military, big time. Okay. 
That's interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's funny. One of the reasons my dad kind of discouraged me from getting into the military was the arbitrariness of, um, you know, your, what do you call it? Your um, evaluations. Um, he, he found it to be highly troubling how arbitrary and social it could be, you know, depending on who liked whom. And uh, just side note. Yeah, I'll just hit you with one more little thing here. Women hate other women who are popular. Seems to be the problem in the workplace, this woman says. That's interesting because you wouldn't have that. There's something you would never have with guys. Quest for social supremacy. You would never have that with guys. It would never even cross my mind that I don't, the, you know, I've got a revulsion to that person because he's liked. Yeah. I just I wouldn't even think about it. But that goes to the anthropo- anthropological realities sure. of men and women yeah, that have been a, documented, you know. We had a couple of people pointing that out about running the village and that sort of stuff versus going out and working together to bring down the mastodon. Exactly. <laughs> Hunting silently, just keeping each other in sight, et cetera, et cetera. Plus, you know, the great uh, defending the caveman, uh, one-man play thingy uh, that we talked to. the uh, Rob, what was his last name? I can't remember. Clever guy, though. Really nice guy. Um, and one of the points he makes in very funny fashion is the different ways men and women communicate for very important reasons, particularly for the first couple million years we were kicking around, or hundreds of thousands of years specifically as homo sapiens. And uh, and I got some really good like marital advice from that show. Anyway, that's Defending the Caveman. Maybe we'll have a link to I'm sure it's out in book form and comic book form and film strip and stereo opticon and whatever else. <laughs> that's that's the one that sticks in my mind though from this conversation that one really strikes me as something unique between men and women if i gotta pick somebody i would never hold it against another dude that he's popular out there in the cubicle area no i can't even imagine that thinking but i would never even think of ranking who's popular but i could absolutely see that among women you would you, especially if you're kind of medium to not popular, it would really bother you that she's the popular one everybody, especially guys, like talking to. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Uh, so, uh, listen, uh, one more quick women's story. And women in the workplace, you're going to absolutely love this. So, uh, on Wednesday, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, who is a crook and a bastard and a rotten piece of crap, and his challenger, Cynthia Nixon, of, uh, you know, Sex in the City fame, the red-headed gal, uh, she's a Democrat challenger. They'll take the stage for a highly anticipated event, the first and only debate scheduled for the two of them. And you know how it is going into debates. Everybody has uh, arguments about uh, where we sit. Are we going to stand? Are we going to have podiums? Are we going to have a 32-inch table or a 31-inch table, et cetera, et cetera? It just goes on and on. Well, Cuomo famously wants it very cold in debates. So he... Never makes the Dick Nixon mistake, which is overrated, honestly. But anyway, of looking sweaty and looking kind of nervous and clammy and the rest of it, he wants it icy cold. We have it icy cold in here, partly because sw- flop sweat dripping down your rib cage is very unpleasant. Um, but Cynthia Nixon has said, no, absolutely not. Not only is that not acceptable, it's sexist. She wants it to be 76 degrees, a balmy 76 I think that's uh, too warm, but I think room temperature is generally agreed upon to be 72 would be okay. I do think it probably is a sexist move to have it freezing cold for debates. That is something almost all guys would like and almost all women would hate. Rebecca Katz, senior advisor for the Nixon campaign, said, among other things, CBS management has acknowledged that the only way to get Governor Cuomo to show up is by giving him everything he wants. Uh, We weren't even given a seat at the table. 
Um, but she cited another reason the temperature should be raised. Work environments, she wrote, are notoriously sexist when it comes to temperature. So we just want to make sure we're all on the same page here. We don't have a lot of time in the segment, so I'm going to have to summarize. But this has always made me nuts on both sides of the issue. She may well be right that most office thermometers are set for guys who are at the very least wearing long pants and long sleeves. If not that, and a suit and a tie on their neck. And therefore, you run a lot hotter than if you're wearing a little skirt with no sleeves. But that, that, that brings to mind, that what is it with the way men and women still dress at work? That women <laughs> look like they're going out to find a husband slash lover, if you swing that way, who am I to judge? Um, and, and dudes look like they're going to a board meeting. Put on suits, ladies, or bring a sweater. Or dudes... Put on some shorts and a tank top or raise the thermostat. What if we all wore khaki pants and a polo shirt? What Perfect. Would that work? That's fine with me. Like we're at Best Buy. Yeah. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show.